But today for us, we're able to come together and really wrap up where God has brought us in this last year and as we look forward to the next year together. And we come together with the vision of Christ, hopefully. We come together knowing that we are empowered by Him. Now, looking back at 2017, I don't know if you can remember this far back, but in January of 2017, I started a new series. We wanted to have three emphases this year as a church, as a people. You remember? Tell me yes. Okay, even if you don't, just... I know, I'm, I guess I'm encouraging a lot, but help my feelings, all right? Just a little. There, there were three emphases that we wanted to have this year. And it really traced all the way back to our beginning at Temple Baptist Church. If you were to go back and look at who we were and who we are, there were three emphases that we wanted to be known for as a church, Temple Baptist Church as its founding. The first one, as I preached back in January in the sermon series, was in prayer. That we would be known as a praying church. That we would be praying for God to move, for God to work, for God to save individuals, for God to heal individuals. We talk so much about how God listened to the voices and the hearts of His people. We wanted to be known as a praying church. And then we shifted somewhere around May into the summer and we took this second emphasis that we wanted to be able to speak about it and really focus our hearts around. You remember that emphasis? There you go. Somebody remember. Norland, I love you. One, because you sit up here close to me and all these other reprobates go toward the back, but I am second because you listen. Give. To be able to give. We want to be known as a giving church. We wanted to be able to join the story of God through our gifts through the way we were people who were just giving in our hearts and lives. And then, around September or so, we shifted to this third emphasis. And that is in sharing. In telling the story. In telling the true good news of Jesus Christ. And we talked about different elements of that. How we get to tell the story. So how I want to kind of conclude this year and really conclude this sermon series. The sermon series that we've looked at in Mark. And that's where we're going to be again this morning. Mark chapter 6. The way I want to kind of conclude this, punctuate it, is to challenge you just to tell them. Just tell them. That, that's really what... When we get to this point, I, I hope that you and I would commit ourselves just to tell folks about Christ Jesus. Just to tell them the story that we have. We've looked at so many various aspects. Sometimes it just comes down to the act of telling. The act of sharing the good news of Christ. Look at Mark chapter 6. As we see Jesus sending out the twelve. Jesus, in the beginning of this chapter, has preached there at Nazareth. He has been rejected. It says that he goes from village to village then taking the message. And in verse 7, we see where he brings in those that he has, he has called, the twelve, the disciples. Look in verse 7. And he called the twelve to himself and began to send them out two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. He commanded them to take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bag, no bread, no copper in their money belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. 
Also, he said to them, in whatever place you enter a house, stay there till you depart from that place. And whoever will not receive you nor hear you when you depart from there, shake off the dust under your feet as a testimony against them. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in that day of judgment than for that city. So they went out and preached that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with all many who were sick and healed them. Now, we've been building to this time, really. We've been seeing this in the last few chapters of Mark. We see how Mark had been setting up this moment where the disciples would be taking the good news, the gospel of the kingdom. We had seen this as he had told us that this very gospel itself shows us the beginning, shows us how God began all these things, all this good news, how God was working. And we had also seen how God had called these individuals to live lives, to live sent lives. That they were focused, purposeful on living lives of mission, on living lives focused on telling the good news. As a matter of fact, if you were to look back at chapter 3, you would see where he called these 12. In chapter 3, verse 13, it says of Jesus, He went up on the mountain and called to him those he himself wanted. And they came to him. And then he appointed the 12, that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. And then we're given the list of the 12 of those that he had called. He had prayed to the Father. He had sought the Father's will. And these were the 12 that God had given him. These were the 12 that he was going to appoint to a specific mission. Now listen. If you and I are really going to live sent lives, I'm talking about lives that are focused, lives that are purposeful for the kingdom, we've got to recognize first that God has called us to this task. I mean, this is what's important, so important. It says, he called the 12 to himself. Listen, you and I, if we are believers in Christ, we've got to understand that he himself called us out of darkness and brought us into light. He is the one that has worked within us to provide for us salvation. When we talked a moment ago, when we were singing a moment ago about His grace unending, there's something about life where we have to come to that point of recognition that God has given us so much grace. He has given us so much better than we deserve. And that He has called us to a life of mission. Now, I know some of you probably say, well, it's one thing to think about um, preachers or pastors being called. And it's another thing to talk about us being called, just the lay people. Well, I do believe God specifically calls preachers and pastors. I do believe that, okay? I, I still believe God speaks into our lives and He calls us as pastors to do what we do. I don't think we do it for any other reason or we shouldn't. It's not for the money, it's not for the acclaim, it's not for anything else. It is because God got a hold of us and we need to serve Him. We need to speak for Him just as He has commanded. There's something where He's done that in our lives. But hey, if you're a believer in Christ, you should have that same type of conviction that God has gotten a hold of you and that all you need to do is to serve Him and to share what He has done in your life. There's got to be something about that, that he calls us to himself. 
and that he sets us on mission. And get this, in chapter 3, when you look at these names, you're talking about fishermen. You're talking about a tax collector. You're talking about just everyday individuals. He didn't go to the religious elite and call from them these 12. He just called the average, sometimes the outcast he called. This is what's incredible to me is that God can and will call any of us as we commit our lives to him. He will call us to service and to work. It says that they went two by two, certainly for the practical encouragement, but also to fulfill the Mosaic law, which said that by two, somehow a witness would be established and that they would go out and they would go two by two sharing with individuals. Jesus delegated the mission and the work. I find that fascinating because in verse 6, he was going around teaching people in the villages But then he decides, in his infinite wisdom, obviously, to send out the twelve. Jesus had decided to limit himself to a human body. We just celebrated the incarnation, the Christmas. That Jesus came and took on flesh. Jesus decided to do that. He volunteered for that mission. Well, with his doing that, it meant that he limited where he could be at certain times, right? You and I, we have human bodies. We can't be in like five different places at once, although we want to be sometimes, right? We can't even travel that quickly. And even with our modern transportation, we still have to depend upon time to get certain places. I mean, we went to North Mississippi this week, saw our family. Man, I was so ready to get home at at that time when it was... We were supposed to be driving back. I was like, can we, you know, somebody said I could twitch my nose once upon a time and I could just be there. I wished I could do that. But I can't. And Jesus had limited him himself. So what did he do? He delegated to his disciples to take the story so he could multiply the kingdom. That's what he did. What does Jesus do with us today? He calls all of us, not just the preachers, To be a part of the kingdom work so that he can multiply his agenda. He can move forward his agenda. Let me say this to you. If you and I are are dependent only on the preacher and the staff members to share the gospel of Christ, we're in a bad situation. Because I'm going to tell you, there are too many people for us to reach for for Christ and his kingdom. There are too many people that we cannot reach in our, just with our ministers and those people on staff. It takes every one of us. Jesus delegated the ministry and so should we. Dr. Chuck Kelly, president of of the best Southern Baptist Seminary, New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. Dr. Kelly attended First Baptist Church of Dallas years ago. He tells the story of how he walks in and he wanted to to hear the great W.A. Crystal. I don't know if any of you all heard of him. Some of you may have, but W.A. Crystal was a pastor of First Baptist Dallas for like 50 years. That's kind of a goal I got in my life, 50-year ministry. 
Obviously, it might not happen here. No affirmation. Dr. Crystal was there 50 years. So, I mean, Dr. Kelly talked about his excitement of just being there, just hearing Dr. Criswell and his voice and his message, just to hear it. And Dr. Criswell got up in the pulpit that morning and he said, ladies and gentlemen, today I want to read to you our budget for next year. <laughs> Dr. Kelly said, must be kidding. He, he just said he's going to read the budget for next year. One, why would anybody do that? Two, why would you squander the opportunity to preach? And three, what am I doing here now? <coughs> Dr. Crystal began reading, line by line. I mean, can you imagine this? Yes, it's more exciting than hear Dwight give the financial report, but still, can you imagine <laughs> line by line? Dr. Kelly said he just kind of drudged through it. Everything happened. And then all of a sudden, Dr. Crystal stepped down and they gave an invitation. An invitation after reading the budget. And then to his surprise, people began to come down. Take Dr. Crystal by the hand, other staff members by the hand, and they began talking to them. Then... Dr. Criswell stopped and he began to announce the new members. Dr. Kelly said, first of all, I thought, I got to get a copy of that budget so I can use it at my next revival. I got to preach that one. I mean, if that budget can move people in such a way, we've got to have copies of that distributed. But then he said he began to really see what was happening. Because Dr. Criswell would take somebody by the hand and he would say something to the effect of, this is Sally. Sally has come to accept Christ as her Lord and Savior today and to let every one of you know that, that she has accepted. And Sally, Sally was led to Christ this week by Bob and, and Sarah there in the balcony. Bob and Sarah led her to Christ. And then he moved to the next one and... He said, this, this is Jimmy. Jimmy came and he has accepted Christ. And Jimmy was led to Christ this week, well, by Bill and Irma. Just, I think they're back in the back. And he went on and on. And Dr. Kelly said that day he realized that a great church is not just a great church because it has a great pastor. A great church is a great church because... The people of God recognize that they have an opportunity every day to share the gospel of Christ and to bring people into the kingdom. And that when you come together on Sunday morning, it in so many ways is a celebration of what God has done during the week. He sent them two by two. He delegated, I say to you that we still are to be on mission and we are to live on mission each and every day of our lives. Wherever it is. It can be in a job. You can be a roughneck in the oil field. You can be a nurse in the hospital. You can be a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home dad. 
You can be a business owner. You can be a teacher. I say to you that each day that we are to live sent lives as though God had spoken to us and sent us out for this purpose and this task. Even at play, you can still be a witness. I'm going to embarrass him, but last night I was traveling back from nature's excursion, a great outing I had. And when I was coming back, somebody told me about these people that had come into our church and how they had come into our church. I said, yeah. How, tell me that again. And they began relating and they said, you know, these folks came in because of one man. And I'm more embarrassing, but Don Hogan. I said, what? Don's got a good witness. <laughs> and they said, I'm telling you. They were out fishing. Don was fishing up on Lake Claiborne. And they began talking, and Don finally said, Hey, do you go to church anywhere? And began talking to him about that. And the folks came. And they joined our church. Because there was somebody willing just to share, even when you're having fun. I was in the woods of Clinton, Louisiana, on another natural excursion years ago. And I was searching for these little animals, these little gobbling creatures. And uh, as I was, I came upon this guy. He was hunting the same piece of property. We didn't know each other was there. Hopefully we were legal and we were not trespassing, but here we were together. I was with a friend. The guy said, who are you now? And I told him who I was. And my friend said, this is the pastor of First Baptist Church of Zachary. He looked at me and he said, are you kidding I've always been very unimpressive in my appearance, I tell you. I said, no, I'm not kidding. I, I tried to be the pastor at First Sacrament. I said, really? He said, we really, we, we've been trying to find a place to plug in. We know we're saved. And I began talking to him about his salvation. He said, but I, we just, my wife and I need a place. And I said, well, you just know that you are always welcome at First Baptist Church of Zachary. We'd love to have you. Just a few weeks later, they came, walked the aisle, and joined First Baptist Church of Zachary. I told my congregation that day that I really thought I needed to stay in the woods more often so that our church would grow more. <laughs> I'm telling you, wherever you are, live sent. He says he sent them out. It's important that we live sent in 2018. That we go. It's important that we live sure in who we are and what God has given to us. I want you to get this. If God calls you to something, He will give you the power to do what He's called you to do. Because it says that He gave them power over unclean spirits. So just know this. When you go to share the gospel of Christ, there will be a spiritual battle that takes place. Because Satan himself will do everything he can to snatch the good news away from people. And what Jesus wanted these folks to know, these disciples to know, is that when you go, and you go into that spiritual battle, even as you share the gospel, you don't doubt for a moment that you have the power and the authority over those unclean spirits. Remember how 
Jesus himself commanded his disciples at the end of his life, the Great Commission. How did he begin the Great Commission? All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Then he told them to go. He's basically saying, I've got the power. You're going to receive the power. And then you can go. Because it is important that we have the power in our lives. It is the only way that God can take the ordinary and make it extraordinary. The only way fishermen can stand in the midst of a hostile religious council is because the power of God is upon their lives. The only way that a tax collector can take the good news of Christ is because he has experienced the power and he is experiencing it in his ministry and in his life. I want you to know that when you go this year in 2018 and you take the good news of Christ, you go with the authority of God on your side. And I'll just say this. It's not some other man-made authority. It's not derived from anywhere else. This is really going to set you afire. That's good, though, probably today. I don't go and I don't preach and I don't share the message with the authority of the Republican Party or the Democrat Party. I don't have the authority of those kinds of things, but I have the authority of God on my side. And when I share a message of Christ, it is a biblical message which can make a difference for the kingdom. And you and I need to know in 2018, that is where our authority and that is where our power should come from. He has given us that type of power. And I can live sent and I can live sure because of what he has done and the power he has given. And the provision. Get this. He says, don't take really much with you. He says, no bag, no bread, which people often say that that bag is a, our bag is a beggar's bag. Don't go out begging. Don't go out with all this extra stuff. You wear your sandals. You don't, don't take two tunics. Man, if they live down here right now, you would think they might need two tunics, right? Don't, don't take anything for extra. Take very little. God's going to take care of you. He's going to provide. You're going to find individuals that will take you in. You go. Eugene Peterson in his message translated it this way. I, I loved it. I wrote it down. It says, don't think you need a lot of extra equipment for this. You are the equipment. No special appeals for funds. Keep it simple. No luxury ends. Get a modest place and be content there until you leave. I love the way he just kind of put that in our language. Why? Because God would provide. There's a whole lot in that, but basically the idea is God would provide. Man, this last week as I was studying this passage and looking at it and was thinking about it, how awesome is it that God even calls people out from us and that he just in some miraculous way provides? I'm thinking of the McCorders down in Nicaragua right now. When they surrendered to that ministry, we didn't have a whole lot of things collected us or so, and they just said this is what they believe God called them to. And then the people of God responded. And God took care of them, and God continues to. Now, February or so will be three years. How incredible. I think about a family in Central Asia right now. Think about a family in South Asia. How they've given their hearts and lives to the mission of God. 
how God is taking care of them. Two ladies that we sent out from here that are right now in South Asia. Two ladies who have this little flat in this metropolitan area who every day just walk with Christ and share Him with others. Experiencing the disappointment and the victory. And how God took care of them. And how God continues. Listen, I believe that we go knowing that God will provide. And I am thankful for a church that partners with that type of mission and ministry and helps that those missionaries will see the provision that they need. Hey, I haven't said a whole lot about this, but how blessed we are that we can give what we do to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. I don't know what your bulletin says today. I'm like you, I don't read it too often. But according to my last little calculations, which Dwight will correct me afterwards and he'll still be wrong, but my last calculations, we're somewhere within about 130,000, 34,000. I always say this, it's not to brag. Because understand, you and I have nothing to brag about. Because God gave us every penny of that 134,000. Because if God hadn't given it to you and hadn't given it to me, we couldn't have given it to provide. So how wonderful it is that God provides. How wonderful people who just say, I'm going to go because I know God is going to take care of me. I'm going to live sure. The power and the provision of God is going to be for me. Because I say it again, if God calls you, He's going to give you everything you need to do what He's called you to do. I want to give you this last. That is, as we tell them, I want you to live strong as you tell them. Look in verse 10. He said to them again, whatever house you enter into, stay there till you depart from that place. Whoever will not receive you and hear you, when you depart from there, shake off the dust under your feet as a testimony against them. Look in verse 12. So they went out and preached that people should repent. And in verse 13 it says, they cast out demons, they were healing individuals, they were doing all these things. So, they were living strong. One, they were strong in word and deed. They went out and their lives reflected the power of their God. Now, I'm not saying to you that you have to go out and cast out demons and you have to heal people in order to truly share the gospel, but I want to say to you that when you share the gospel to people, your life should reflect the power of God. If you want people to hear you, you need to live like you know Him. And you need to allow the power of God to flow from you. But then you need to share with them. Word and deed they shared. I had a Sunday school teacher one Sunday to take issue with me. She came to me and she said, Well, I just told my Sunday school class, as long as they lived a good life and lived a life that glorified Christ... They didn't necessarily have to tell people about Christ. I said, well, I hate to tell you, but you taught that Sunday school class wrong. 
And she already wasn't real happy with me, and I wasn't trying to be obnoxious. I really don't try to be. Sometimes I am, but I try not to be. I said, you can live a good life all you want, and you should. But how are these people going to know why you live a good life if you never speak to them about the reason for your salvation and service? I'm all for, I'm all for living... And yes, you should live the testimony of Christ. But at some point, you need to tell people why you live such a testimony of Christ. Hopefully, they'll ask you because of your deeds. But somewhere along the way, you need to share with them, this is what has taken place in my life. I love to be able to say this. Somebody say something, well, that looks so good and you've done well on that. No, no, no. I am not a good person. I only do what I do because God loved me when I was not a good individual and He saved me from my sin and He has called me to this. By His grace, I am what I am. Don't think it is just because I am good. We need to share the gospel. Notice it said they preached repentance. Wow. A word that has been lost in the contemporary church language. Repentance. What does it mean? It means to change your mind. Change your mind. It means to change your direction. It means to turn away from something and turn to something else. There's so many people today, they think everybody's all right. You don't have to tell people to repent. We'll talk to them. They, hey, they kind of have religious backgrounds. They're fine. The message of repentance was taught by John the Baptist, by Jesus, by the disciples. The message of repentance is something we still need to preach and teach today. I'm not saying that we should be rude. I am not saying that we should be obnoxious. But I'm saying that truth in love is we need to repent of our sins. People need to change their mind about Christ. They need to go from the idea that He is just a good prophet or a good teacher. They need to go to the point where they recognize that He is who He said He was. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. He is the Savior. So that's a change. They need to change their life. They need to... It, it's not good enough to say, well, we just all have made mistakes. We have all made mistakes. But because of those mistakes, we're on a path toward eternity in hell itself. But what did Jesus do? Jesus endured the cross. He endured... The wrath of the Father so that you and I would not have to. See, that is good news. And as we repent and put our faith and trust totally in Him, we have salvation. We need to preach that message. We need to share that message, truth and love. That life is not all right. And that only Christ can make a difference who 
We are. And just understand this as you look at this passage. Not everybody will respond positively. Man, I wished. I, I so pray that God would convict people and that they, in their own volition, would choose Him. But there have been people who listen to messages like this and they've heard that Jesus is the Christ, that He is the Savior. They've heard that they should come and repent of their sin. They should have faith and trust in Him and then they walked right out the doors. There's brokenness that I have over that. You and I should recognize that not everybody is going to respond to the gospel. We should be broken. But we should just recognize it. As a matter of fact, Jesus himself had been rejected at Nazareth, right? His hometown. And the verses right before this one, that's what we're told. Jesus was rejected. What did he say here? He said, if that town rejects the gospel, the good news, you're preaching, you're who you are. He said, shake the dust from your feet. That was kind of what the Jews would do when they returned from a pagan land. Before they entered into the land of Israel, they would literally shake all the dust of that pagan land off of themselves so that they would not contaminate the land of Israel. It's kind of like when you come back from Arkansas. You try to shake all that stuff off. Not everybody's going to respond positively to the gospel. So why would you keep going? Why would you live strong? Don't miss this. Because some people will. Because some people will say yes. And some people's eternity will be changed forever. And their lives and their families and their relationships will never be the same. Because they have been invaded by the good news of Jesus Christ. And you and I who have experienced that, you and I who know that, you and I who have the message of glory, the message of hope, the message of good news, you and I are called to tell everybody we come in contact with that He is the Christ and that He forgives and that He restores people's hearts and lives. Live sent, live sure, live strong. Just tell them. In 2018, just tell them who He is and what He has done. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for this morning. And Lord, I don't believe in just chance. I believe today in this place that you have ordained each person's presence. And Lord, here today, there are some in this place who are lost. And they know it. You've convicted them. You've shown them. And they've heard people talk about you. They may even be people who come to church. They may be on the church roll. God, they've never truly given their heart and life to you. They've never really developed 
a relationship with you. God, convict them and call them today. Let them hear that today is the day of salvation. And let them not go out these doors without responding to your good news. Father, for those, the rest of us who are here, who came through the cold, came through all the things of the morning, God, you have us here, those of us who are believers, no doubt to challenge us. Starting with the preacher, to the staff, to the deacons, to the Sunday school teachers, to everyone who sits today here in these pews. And Lord, you are challenging us to be more bold, to be more vocal in our witness, in our work. God, speak to us. Help us to commit here this morning, whether it's in the altar, whether it's at our pew, whatever it is you do, Lord, we just pray you would work during this invitation and prepare us for a new year of ministry and life together. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand?